Hello and welcome to this podcast trailer of Sam's Alternative slash Sam Saturday, four hours of power. Podcast one of three, part one. On today's podcast, I'll be chatting to Owen from Sydney pop punk rock band Dial Denial about how the band formed, how they came up with the band name, what the response has been like for Paper Wings. I'll also play Paper Wings in part two of the podcast as well. We'll find out Owen's favourite thing about being a musician, least favourite thing, plus other things. All right, let's get into the chat with Owen from Dial Denial. Here it is for you now. Morning, Owen. There we go. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me on here. No worries, and I was happy to work around your schedule. This is better, actually, so it's not rushed as much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How is it up there in New South Wales? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I had a bit of rain a few days, but nice and sunny today and so yeah doing well yeah it's about 25 26 degrees here in victoria but it was very muggy like earlier in the week it's much more pleasant today sure yeah and well of course we had that thunderstorm earlier in the week and a lot of people's power's still not working mine is thankfully yeah Yeah. (laughs) power issues or anything at all which is good yeah but um, it's a funny old summer. It's sort of been muggy a couple of days, then back to sort of wintry weather and then sort of spring weather. We haven't really had a really warm summer here in Victoria. Yeah, we've had a couple of days that have hit like 40 plus, but nothing, like not too many in a row, which is good. No. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't mind the warm weather, but not 40 plus two or three days in a row. That I can't handle. Yeah. All right, well, I better introduce Owen because people are probably thinking, who is Owen that Sam is talking to? Owen is one member of the pop-punk rock band from Sydney, New South Wales, called Dial Denial, who dropped Paper Wings last year and have actually dropped quite a few singles over the last few years. And I'm loving your music. It's got a very good, I don't know, neck-deep, Stan Atlantic sound to it. Or that's just my look on it. Yeah, no, those are definitely two, probably the two biggest bands that we draw influence from. So you've hit the nail on the head there, Sam. Yeah, because I just felt like, especially with Paper Wings and uh, 2023, I could sort of hear the really old school Stand Atlantic in it. Like, I think not so much Death Wish and Blurry and that, but sort of their earlier stuff. And, I mean, Stand Atlantic are becoming a pretty big name here in Australia right at the moment. Absolutely, yeah, no, and I think, I definitely have been listening to Stand Atlantic since that Sidewinder EP first came out, so I definitely can hear that there's some inspiration drawn from that first EP of theirs. Mm. And yours truly as well, and Neck Deep, so three pretty, well, two Australians and one British band, I think, Neck Deep are from, or Scotland, somewhere in the UK. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's an interesting sound dial denial because I went back, as I do with all the podcast interviews, I listened to the band's music from start to finish the day of or the night before the interview, and I actually listened to it after work, and I just thought, I could actually listen to this up until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning with the interview with Owen because it was so good to listen to. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Yeah, so... I will definitely be playing it on repeat as I do. 
um, of course, you will hear Paper Wings in part two of the podcast as well. So look forward to that. Awesome. That's great. Thank you for that. No worries at all. And no issues about everyone else being busy. Everyone's got plans on the weekend, cricket, family commitments. Um, sometimes it's the whole band that jumps on. Sometimes it's only one member. I feel sometimes with the one member is a lot easier to work around because you don't have people talking over each other as much. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does help for sure. Um, and that way, you know, you just get one, one lot of answers. But, I mean, I've had a bit of a chat to Gus, our singer mainly, because he usually does. I mean, we both sort of share the interview load. Um, Bailey and Justin, bassist and drummer, don't really do as many of the interviews, but just making sure I've got all the right answers. Um, yeah. So important. So I don't want to spread too many misinformation on different interviews, but we do. Have- uh, and now I've got to get this right. Justin is your brother. Is yes. that correct? Yes, I got that right. That's a good start. So what's it like being in the same band as your brother? Very interesting. I think at the start, we used to butt heads a lot because we were a lot younger when we started. So we started in... Actually, I believe it's tomorrow, six years ago, we started. Um, and so currently we're like age 18 to 20, but back then we were 13 to 15 years old. So typical teenage brothers, we would butt heads a lot during rehearsals. And that was a common theme for the you know, probably first year or two of dial denial in rehearsals. Because we used to, up until really like, I'd say probably this year, we've been rehearsing basically every single week. Um and it used to be just a common thing. We just butt heads all the time. But now I think as we've gotten a bit older and a bit more mature and stuff, we sort of, yes, we have our difference of opinion at times, but we work together really well. Because I guess at the end of the day, if you're in a band with family, whether it's a sister, brother, cousin and all that, at the end of the day, you still get to talk to each other. And, I mean, there's things the bands that don't have family members in them butt heads on and then sort out. So I think having someone else in the band that's either a brother or a sister sort of helps because you can sort of, at the end of the day, it's just water under the bridge. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's always just funny, though. Usually when there is any sort of disagreement in the band, it's very rare that Justin and I are on the same side of that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. Gee, <laughs> uh, 13 to 15, when you're starting out in a band very young, I mean, Silverchair were, what, 16 when Frogstop came out and it worked for them pretty well. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. Um, we definitely were super young when we started. And really, even now, like, we're basically always the youngest band on the bill. Um, but... We, you know, we, I suppose, use that to our strengths. You know, we don't mind, you know, being the youngest band on the bill. But um, I think we're now, I feel we've, we were very much at the start for the first couple of years, that band, you know, that band that's super young, you know, you know, little kids sort of thing. But now we're, um, you know, 18 to 20. And now it's like, okay, let's, we want people. And I think people are definitely a lot more perceiving us as, okay, even though these guys are still super young, they're, you know, they're on it now um, and they're, you know, making really good music and they're starting to make some waves here and there, which I think is important for us as well to have that rather than, oh, yeah, these guys are just a super young band that are just playing music. You know what I mean? 
Oh, totally agree. And I think there are some really impressive young bands out there, some in interstate and in Victoria. I remember a band who are probably now in their early to mid-20s from Adelaide called Signals. And when I saw them live in Melbourne, they were literally just out of high school. They were probably 19, 18 sort of age. And they were the first band on the bill. And the energy they brought was as good as what the headliner and the middle acts brought, who were a lot more mature and older. So I think the younger bands have something more to prove than the mature bands because I think when you're starting out, you want to make a name for yourself and sort of get people talking and coming back to your gigs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's something we've um, prided ourselves in is our live show and making sure that we're bringing the energy and um, just being consistent in that every show that we do play. Mm. Especially if it's a small show, I've noticed, Owen. Like, if there's only 10 or 15 people for your set, I think it's more pressure to put on a great live show for 10 people than it is, say, 150 people. Yeah, for sure. I think I personally, and we also personally find that the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to play. But it's when you, um, you know, a few years ago we were, you know, playing those super small shows where, you know, 10 or 15 people would rock up. And it's like, okay, how do we engage these people? Because they're right there. But when you have, you know, the bigger crowds, which we're lucky enough to play for now, it almost is easier and more enjoyable for us. And then I don't know, it's sort of like reverse psychology, maybe like just the more people that are there, the easier it is to vibe off the crowd. And it's just a more engaging show. I think so too. I think when it's the small crowd, like, You've got to do anything possible to keep those people entertained and sort of to stay and watch your whole set. When there's 150 people, if three people left, you probably wouldn't realise that three people had gone out of the room. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's, yeah, and I think that's why, you know, you want to, you know, as a collective music industry, you want people to rock up to live shows. And then it's more, even being, you know, uh, I know you go to a lot of gigs, Sam, and as do I, but I feel almost better when you're at a show that's got, you know, at least sort of 100, 150 people. You feel more engaged into the band. But when there's like 10 people there or something it's and you're watching this band, it's like it almost finds it's almost a little bit nerve-wracking as an audience member. You're like, oh, okay, how's this going to go? You know, there's not many people here and stuff. But when you walk, step into a room that's p- pretty packed, it's, it's a lot easier, I feel. Yeah, because I've been to a few that have been literally 10 or 15 people and especially like venues that are caps of three to 400 people, you can sort of see the difference because it's like an empty room. Instead, like if there's, say, 150, 200 people, you feel more like engaged with the band. There's more people you can bounce ideas off if they're liking the music and all that. So, yeah, but I don't know what the answer to getting bigger and more people to shows though, Owen, because like everyone still has that theory of 
what about the C word that's ruined our lives for three and a half years? You know, what if I get that at a gig? And it's like, there's a chance, but every day you walk out the front door, you could get it. Yeah, for sure. And I think as a band, it's, it's almost hard because you, if you play the same area over and over, like very often, it almost is like, oh, you know, as an audience, they'd be like, oh, I'll just go to the next one. They're going to come back, you know, in two weeks or they're going to come back in a month. But, but then it limits yourself as an artist being like, oh, I can only play X amount of shows in an area in a year. And it's like, well, how do you um, find that? And I guess that's the common challenge with, you know, the modern day artist is like, how do I, you know, get people to shows, consistent shows? Um, or how do I branch out and go and play in different areas where there's, you know, potential for new audience and um, new fans to arise of your music. So I think that's, yeah, a common challenge for the modern day artist. But um, I think we've been pretty lucky um, with, with, you know, our at least for the last year or so with our recent uh, run of shows. Mm. There's a lot of gigs happening here in Australia at the moment as well. So that's another thing. Like if people say, oh, there's not many shows happening, um, Take your pick the next few weeks. They're all around Australia. Like, there's so many happening. Yeah, there almost always is so many happening. And I think the thing as well is sometimes I'll go to a show with, you know, and it might cost me like $20 a ticket, but then there's like some bigger artist coming up that's like, you know, $100 a ticket on the same night or even more these days. Some of the ticket prices are crazy. But I almost sometimes at certain shows smaller shows feel more like more entertained and i'm like three or four bands that i maybe haven't heard of or have heard of some of them but you know and it was it was a local show and i almost feel like there needs to be somehow more emphasis on you know going to local shows um because you know people will go even go out you know the whole thing of you know going on a night out to clubs and stuff it's so much money whereas you can get i feel more entertainment going to a show that's cheaper usually. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you, as you said, Owen, like twenty bucks can get you minimum three bands, probably a maximum of five, possibly, and might find your next favorite band. For sure. Yeah, like I've seen so many bands, especially um, opening bands. Like the amount of bands I've found when I've gone to gigs that have been the opening band and have just been a huge fan of from minute one is ecstatic. Like there's been that many Aussie bands like Signals, as I mentioned earlier, Atlas, um, Wishful Thinking from Queensland. I mean, they opened for Drastic Park. And I think, you know, these bands like are now more established bands, but they started out as opening bands and, um, you know, though we put on an amazing set and I think um, it's important to get out to those live shows, especially the local ones, and sort of check out these new bands that are on the scene, like Dial Denial, after you listen to this. If you see Dial Denial have got a gig, I would suggest you go and see them. That's Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, and I think we're, you know, planning on without revealing too much trying to get you know interstate this year um pending on a few different aspects um but yeah you know i think it would be great you know to 
go and play live more often in certain, um, you know, different areas. Like most of our shows have been in New South Wales and we've uh, come down to Melbourne once um, and uh, we've gone up to Newcastle once as well. But, you know, those were when we're under 18. But now since I think we were August last year is when we were all 18. Uh, yeah. So I think some pretty big shows now in New, um, New South Wales over the last, you know, two or three years, I'd say, we've um, started, you know, we've gotten some pretty big um, support slots um, we've done. I think our first really big one was Hockey Dad. Um, that was a real, like, eye-opener. Uh, and since then, we've had, um, like, Switchfoot. We've had Hybrid Theory, like, Baker's Eddie, Bugs. Um, and in March, we're opening for Yours Truly uh, in Sydney, which will be awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's a mix. You can't always get those, you know, three to you know, 1,000 cap shows. You can't play those shows every single time when you're first starting out. It's like, okay, how do we get, you know, get to those shows, but also for our own shows, which we've been, I think, doing a good job of, you know, getting at least, you know, 75 to 100 people through the door. Yeah, and I mean, that there's some big names like you got head like slots with like Switchfoot and, I mean, yours truly are, pretty big well and hybrid theory like that's pretty impressive for a young band yeah thank you yeah yeah no we've been like really lucky um with the opportunities we have gotten so far um but at the same time it's like those didn't just fall in our lap like and as every band's opportunities you know there's um if you want to do this properly you have to really work hard at it and uh, i think that's something that's not always seen on, you know, on the outside for non, non-musicians. They're like, oh, you know, they just get together, play some music and book a show or anything. But there's so much more to being a band if you want to, you know, do it as a full-time thing, which is our goal as a band. And I think um, someone said this on an interview previously. If they said something along the lines of what you just said about the, um, if you're sitting around waiting for things to fall in your lap, and hoping it just happens like that, then you're not going to get far in the music scene. If you go out there and, you know, put in 110% and contact bands to do um, tours or gigs with, I mean, if you're active like that, you will start to see some progress in the band you become. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I feel like as well... Um, yeah, it's just about, you know, working hard and putting yourself out there, but also as you do very well, and I feel like I do a decent job at as well as not only just going out there for your own benefit, but, you know, giving back to some other, you know, other bands in the scene as well. Um, like for example, I have my own radio show that I do and, you know, giving back to bands in that way. It's sort of, if we all work together, um, it's that whole sort of notion, you know, we're all working together. We can bring the whole Australian music scene up not just in Australia, but, you know, worldwide as well, um, which I think the Aussie music scene, you know, at all levels has been doing a really good job of the last, you know, five, ten years. We're seeing so many bands, you know, like Polaris, North Lane, Stand Atlantic, yours truly, start to pop up, and Red Hook even start to pop yeah. up to the international stage now. Um, and it's about just bringing even more bands up to that international stage because there is, you know, seven billion people... <laughs> that we can reach, right? Um, yeah. Elevate music up the top. 
it's I think it's there's no better time than right now to be in the music industry in the Aussie scene. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty... oh sorry, you go. Oh yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty good time to be in the scene. Yes, there's lots of bands, but that means just more than more people aware of Australian music. Yeah. Now that's pretty awesome. You do your own radio show. I hadn't actually realised that, Owen. That's something I picked up as something new I know about Owen without even asking what other hobbies he has. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've been doing radio for about two years now um, at a, a, a community radio station, Northside Radio in uh, Chatswood. I'm really enjoying it, and it's yeah, it's good fun. It's a great way to meet and network and. Um, with other bands in the Australian music scene, and even I've had some international acts as well, which has been pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a good start to get into community radio. I used to do it. I did it for 15 years, but then just decided it was becoming a bit more of a chore than a hobby, so focused on podcasts. But, yeah, community radio for anyone out there is the way to get your foot in the door to start in you know anything like media like if you want to become a journalist anything like that the community radio is the way to start and and you know while radio is i suppose like not as frequently listened to from 10 15 years ago i feel like the people who do listen to radio still are very you know committed to radio and i feel like there's you know a lot of opportunities there for us getting played on radio stations, you know, especially community radio. Like sometimes it's that whole thing of, oh, you know, how many people are actually listening to community radio? But if you do your research, there's still, you know, lots of people listening to community radio and lots of people looking for new music as well, uh, mm. community, which I think is really important for the Aussie scene. Yeah. And, I mean, you just have to look at the start to 2024 for new Aussie music alone and – you will find some absolute bangers in there. like, And I think there's still about five or six really good releases coming out in February. Like the start to February has been amazing, like with Red Hook and um, Vilified Bloom and so forth, but there's more to come. That's the scary thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes those certain, you know, Fridays when you check your, you know, new releases and stuff and you'll see like 10 bands released on the same day and you're like, wow, like, there's a lot of new music coming out, but I think it's a really positive thing, um, the, the Australian music scene. And for the most part, I think um, the Aussie music scene is doing a good job of putting out some just really good quality music. Um, and I think, yeah, it's a bit, it's tricky because especially, you know, if there's, you know, not you're not obviously not going to like every single band and every single song that gets put out there, but you still feel that you should try and do your best, you know, to support the Aussie scene where you can but to be honest like most of the songs that are put out these days from the Aussie scene are really good quality songs and I, I find it actually has to take me to do a train trip to Melbourne and back for a gig to check out all the new music that's how much new music has been released here in the Aussie scene this year like two Fridays ago when um Oh, Ransom Review dropped new music. Red Hook dropped new music. Hands Like Houses. There's just about 15 or 16 bands. It's like, I'm not going to listen to this 
at home in one go. I had a um, gig that and I'm like, here's where I'm going to listen to all that new music. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, and I think it's important um, to listen to new music, not just, uh, not just you know, just to support the Aussie scene, but also as an artist, just to hear what other people are putting out can definitely be like, oh, I like, you know, you can take inspiration from so many different places. Mm. And all different genres as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting very, um, these days when, um, you know, being on both the interviewing side and getting interviewed, when you ask or get asked, you know, how do you describe your sound? It's that age-old question. It's getting harder and harder to describe the sounds now because there's just so many different elements and genres out there different blends and uniqueness in the Australian scene at the moment. Definitely. So I've only ever been on the other side of the interview once. Someone interviewed me. Normally it's me on this side interviewing the bands and artists. So I want to see more people. Like, like I've reached out to a few people to say, like, they've got a podcast or a radio show, like, to... I'd be happy to do an interview, but yeah, it's sort of like I've they've said they've got a backlog of however many guests, which is totally understandable. Um, yeah, but I'd like to actually do more interviews where I'm being interviewed. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, it's definitely different. And as I mean, for the first before radio, was it was only being interviewed, and now I'm sort of about fifty fifty in terms of interviewing bands and getting interviewed. And understanding both sides, I think, is really important um, for both sides. Like when you're interviewing someone, you you know have stuff prepped. But when you're getting interviewed, it's like, okay, this is what they're saying to me. What can I take, and what lessons can I learn from each interview? Because each interview, whether you're interviewing or getting interviewed, is totally different. And when you have both sides there, it's I think just makes you, you know, a better person. Totally. And the prep work, yes, that's very, very important for anyone listening out there because if you do not do your preparation before you do the interview, you get found out pretty quickly whether you've checked out that band or artist yet. Yeah. Yeah, I find usually when I'm interviewing bands, I'll, like, already know a lot about them, so it's pretty easy on my end. Um, But, yeah, no, it's definitely a really important thing that you know you know, what you're stepping interview interview wise. And also if you're interviewing a band that, you know, you know, as many details about them as possible. Definitely. And also preparation with questions. If you've got your questions ready to send the bands, I'll send them as soon as possible because the more time the band has to think about the answers, the better the answers will be on the interview. Percent, yeah, and just the better the conversation will flow as well. Like this one that's nearly been going for half an hour, and I haven't even asked Owen a question yet. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And also, here's a tip interview people you don't know as well. It's much more easy flowing than interviewing someone you don't do know. Now, a lot of people wonder why I say that. The reason why it's easy to interview people you don't know is that you have no knowledge of anything about the band and how they formed and how they came up with the band name. There's no backstories you will know. If you interview someone you know, 
you'll know everything about that band or artist. So there's another tip. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I definitely find that as well. I find it almost easier to interview artists that I haven't met in person or um, even get an interview because then there's, yeah, there's no, there's no sort of backstory that's originally there. And yeah, as you're saying, you know, the conversation will flow a lot easier. I think also, Owen, it's also that you don't feel as much pressure when it's the person you don't know, I feel. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that for sure. Um, yeah, I feel that, you know, when you do know someone, it's almost like, how do you ask them? You're almost asking them a question that you already know just for the interview's sake. Uh, whereas if you ask them the question that you maybe don't know as much about, then it feels more authentic. Definitely. Because I did an interview a few weeks ago and I didn't have an issue with it. I listened back to it and it sounded really good, but it was some a band that I had met in Melbourne before and already I could tell within two seconds of listening to it how much more stressed or nervous I sounded because it was that I'd met them before and interviewed them. Yeah. I think um, like we're like we're sort of doing now, like we've never, you know, I haven't met you personally in Melbourne and stuff, but we've been chatting and, and stuff in the background. But I think having that little bit of chat beforehand is great. Like usually when I interview a band, I won't hit record straight away. You know, we'll have a chat, you know, for you know a couple of minutes, maybe waiting for another member to get on or something. But just getting that first initial connection before asking the questions, I feel like makes it more authentic as well. Oh, 110% agree with that, Owen. I, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. And it's funny because it's sort of like I'm interviewing you, you're interviewing me, and we sort of both have done interviews, interviewing bands and been on the other end. So it's a bit of a um, – it's an interesting interview, this one, because it hasn't happened very often where this has happened. So I like it, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a cool sort of dynamic that we've got going on. Yes, well, it's um, making the time go far too quick for me, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, time flies when you're having fun, as they say. But this is going a bit too quick for my liking. <laughs> uh, we probably should start getting into the questions, though, yeah. now, Owen, just so that. Um, because Owen has something else on um, around midday. So we'll sort of start getting into the questions before too long. So generally, Owen, um, I ask a bunch of questions about dial denial. Some you might have been asked before, some you might have never been asked. And then at the end, Owen gets to ask the hard-hitting questions to me. So I'll give you a bit of time to think of any questions you may have. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, give me a second. I'll uh, give a few questions. Yep. And, um, yeah, both these parts of the podcast will be up um, pretty much oh, half an hour, probably after the interview's finished, if that. So I'll send you both the links. Awesome. Yeah, I'll make sure I share those around. No worries. Well, you've sort of answered it in some degree about when you started, but how did the band form Dull Denial. Yeah, so um, there's four of us in the band. Uh, I'm the guitarist in the band. Uh, my brother, Justin, is the drummer of the band. Uh, and our bass player, Bailey, is my best mate from school. So 
us three were already playing in a school band together, but we wanted to start our own thing because we were sort of playing, like sick of just playing the, you know, school stuff. And we're like, let's, you know, write our own songs. Uh, and we all went to a music school in Crow's Nest called Big Music. And um, that's where we, you know, first started rehearsing for the first three or four years of dialogue. And we found our singer Gus there, um, had one rehearsal. And next thing you know, we're a band and we're going for it. Wow. That's, that's a very quick, short and fire answer, which is good. And yeah. well, it was a pretty stupid question, Sam, to ask how did the band, well, outside of Justin and Owen, obviously, because they're brothers, they obviously formed because they were family. But yeah, but I no, that's interesting about the um, music school that you all went to and then came across, of course, Fergus. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's definitely an interesting, um, yeah, dynamic and place that we sort of started out. Um, but yeah, we've never really looked back after you know the first couple of rehearsals. And when you the in the band in the school was it sort of the same genre as what Dial Denial's producing now, or was it a totally different genre of music? So we so let me I want to try and describe so. Bailey, Justin, and I played in like actual school band, like going to school and stuff band, and that was sort of just doing covers. Um, where this place we went in Crowsness, big music was like an extracurricular type thing. So it was sort of on the weekends, and we were all a part of like a representative band called the Big Music Bandits, which sort of did like covers at um, lots of different places, um, a lot of like Aussie rock festivals and things like that. Um, so that wasn't really where Dial Denial was, but after we had that rehearsal, sort of think of it like reps for sport, but like for music, sort of. Um, that's okay, the best. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we had our, like each Sunday, we had our own rehearsal, um, which is where, you know, Dial Denial, you know, kicked off and had Dial Denial rehearsals and things like that as well. Okay, yeah, now that, sorry, yes. <laughs> I had listened to the first part, but then I'm like, hang on, I've missed something here. But now that you've described it like that, I want to know what you're talking about now, yes. Yeah, so yeah, that's how we started. And yeah, we never really looked back from there. Well, and I think, you know, and starting young, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, I think... Um, starting out as, you know, 13 to 15-year-olds, I mean, I think that's a good age to sort of start out because if you're sort of 25-plus, that's sort of like, you know, you're sort of over your teenage years, you're still a young adult but sort of a few years have passed. I think, yeah, anywhere between 13 and 18, starting your own band I think is a very good age bracket to start. For sure, yeah, and I think having that, you have enough time that when you do hit 18 and you can get into every venue, you're, you've already got the ball rolling, you're a tight unit, and you can, you know, showcase yourself straight away as, you know, a sort of professional outfit rather than, you know, a just starting out outfit, which is something that I think we've been really fortunate that we did start so young and now we can kind of have that leg up, whereas... Um, you know, bands just starting out at our age now is, is definitely a foreseeable difference, for sure. Because mm. uh, I've seen, I guess there's rules for, like, 
if there's bands under 18. Like, I've seen a couple that have played a few bars in Melbourne that have been underage. As long as they have a parent or guardian with them, I think they can still play the pubs. But, yeah, most of them would probably wait till they're 18 so they can officially play live music at pubs and that. Yeah. No, we definitely tried to a lot beforehand, but most of the venues here in Sydney were just not having, like, didn't want a piece of it at all, uh, which is understandable, you know, if they're, you know, trying to, they've got their own venue rules and things like that. But there was a couple of venues we could get into with parents and things like that. But um, it was just, yeah, I guess for us being straight up about it, you know, being like, by the way, we're under 18, can we actually play here or not? Because um, we were at a stage, even before we turned 18, I feel, where we, if we were 18 at the time, we could have been doing what we're doing now. Um, but it was, just wasn't the, exactly the right timing for a lot of the places. But now that we are all 18, it just makes it so much easier. We don't even have to think about it. We can just book shows and get opening slots and things like that um, without any hassle. Yeah. And I think look, from everything I've heard in Sydney and the live scene up there, like it's thriving at the moment. But all Sydney siders I've also spoken to about which other city they think is as good. Everyone says Melbourne. And I just, yeah, I, I feel like Melbourne and Sydney right at the moment are the two best states for live music and almost would go as far to say the best music in general is from those two states but then again there's a lot of good stuff coming out of queensland and south australian wa so yeah i think yeah each sort of state almost has like its own like i feel from perth like there's a lot of good like indie and metal that come out of perth whereas like south australia and queensland i feel like there's more like not as much like there is some great metal artists from both those states but i feel like it's more predominantly like your pop punk and indie stuff but i mean indie's everywhere in australia but um pop punk especially i feel from brisbane and south australia is great you know bands like down and out two times shy etc um Wilson chain yeah alt oh alt's not really pop punk it's more rock but yeah Oh, all right. Next question. How did you come up with the band name Doll Denial? Yeah, so it's a it's a pretty interesting name. Uh, it's definitely so every time, uh, you know, someone asks me, oh, what's your band called? And I say Doll Denial. They always give me this weird look <laughs> of like wasn't expecting that name. But I think it's great because it's not searchable. And that's always something I say to any band that's starting out or any artist, person that wants like an artist name or something, make it something that is, sorry, not, not searchable, make it something that is searchable that, you know, isn't going to come up with 50 other things that aren't your band. Like, even when we were super young, just starting out, you search up Dial Denial and it comes up straight away on the first page of Google, like on the top. Um, so that was something that we were lucky that Dial Denial was. Um, but basically with the name, our singer had like a long list of names. And it's one of those things, the band name where it's, Sometimes it takes a little while to get, but once you have your band name, it sort of just sticks and you don't really think about it again. Um, and so our singer Gus had like a massive list, like I reckon of like three or 400 different. <laughs> and each week in rehearsal, we just go through them 
And it was probably like three or four weeks we were going through, like, oh, I'm not really loving that name, these names. And then the thing he had written down on his note was um, dial 1-800-Denial, like a game show. Oh, uh, yeah. Then our bassist Bailey was like, why don't we get rid of the 1-800 and we can just be dial denial. And we also looked at each other and we're like, cool, there's the name, done. And yeah, that just be- we became dial denial and that- that's it, really. That's three to 400 band names, the main. That's, I don't know how many pages of paper that would be, but it'd be a fair few, I reckon. He just had this big list and we were just scrolling through and we'd go through like, I don't know, 20 or 30 odd each week and they weren't fitting for the first couple of weeks. We were like, oh, that's cool, but like, let's try and find other stuff. And there was a few other names that I don't remember super well that were like, oh, this could be it. And some I remember that were like, oh, this could be it. And I'm like, thank goodness we didn't call ourselves that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I think, you know, that's sort of, that was sort of the first lesson where I was like, okay, there's, you're going to come up with a lot of crap ideas, but you won't find the best idea without coming up with all the crap at first. And I think that's something that I've very much taken throughout a lot of things in being a band, whether it's writing songs or, um, you know, emailing people trying to get opportunities. Like you're not going to find that one support slot without emailing, you know, the 50 odd other ones in the first place. You know what I mean? That sort of mentality, I think, has become really important for Dial Denial as well. Definitely. I think um, the band name would have to be one of the hardest things for a band to choose. Like, I mean, there's set lists, there's, you know, whether to record an album or an EP, music videos and all that, but actually settling on a band name would be very difficult. I could imagine, as we just heard in the story there, of three to 400 band names on a list. So that just shows how difficult it is. Yeah. We were lucky. We like we spent the, yeah, but we were like to ourselves, let's not like spend the whole rehearsal on it. Let's just like go through a couple, you know, 20 or 30 at the start of each rehearsal. And if we're like, we didn't find a band name today, we didn't find one today, we'll have them next week. Um but we sort of let Gus just take over the reins with that in terms of finding a name. Um, but yeah, that's that's the story of it. Well, uh, the other thing is, um, generally I would um, tell a story of how I came across Dial Denial, and generally nine times out of ten it would be Spotify. But it's not Spotify for this time. It was actually Bandcamp oh. because. I was, I don't know what I was typing in, but it was like something starting with DI. So it might have been like it had divide or something in the title, maybe. And at the top of the band camp search had dial denial, because for those that don't know, dial denial are actually on band camp. So I actually went in and checked dial denial and I think I bought a couple of songs possibly and started listening to them and I'm like, I like the sound of this. And that's how I became involved with Dial Denial. Yeah, I, gosh, I, I, that's one of those things. I haven't looked at our band camp in a very long time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's a that's very interesting, yeah. But, um, you know, band camp's you know, another one of those places where you can find great music. Um, mm. 
yeah, at least it's, it's sort of updated, which is good. I just had a quick look in. I was like, oh, gosh, I can't even remember the last time I went on Bandcamp. It would have been a couple of years ago. But, no, it's all yeah. all right, which is good. And Paper Wings and bo- both Paper Wings and Overtime have been uploaded as well yeah. to that Bandcamp as well, I think. Yeah, no, they have been. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, look at Paper Wings and um, Overtime streams. Like, Overtime's nearly at 20,000 streams, which yeah. is unbelievable. It's a, it's a good start. I think for us, we have very high expectations of what we want and in terms of, like, numbers. But at the same time, we know that if, if you fall into the trap of numbers, it it's just a never-ending path of just destruction, really. But we're more focused on like yes we want the big numbers you know so we can get the support slots and grow our fan base and stuff but we're more sort of focused now on our fan base and making sure people are enjoying our music and wanting to share our music with other people and finding you know enjoyment listening to our music i think that's more important to us than just the numbers obviously numbers is important for any band but we're not a band like we have to get this amount of numbers or we're not happy um but I'd rather, you know, have, you know, 500 people listening or, you know, what we have now are roughly like 2,000 people, monthly listeners that are really engaged than have like 5,000 monthly listeners that are not quite as engaged. Um, mm. yeah. I think there needs to be, that's one thing I want to just say here, and I've got to be careful how I say it, but um, a lot of people, like they say, oh, I listen to this band, I, you know, stream their music on Spotify and that. I think it's just as important to sort of be a monthly listener but also share and tag bands and that when you listen to them because I think it's very... Oh, hello. I've lost you there, Sam. Oh. Hello. Sorry, I've lost your sound. Uh... Oh, and I, yeah, technology. We won't even start on that. Okay. I don't know what, yeah. It just stopped for some reason. It's shut down on my end as well. I don't know why it did that but anyway all right right. um yeah so as long as i think it's important for listeners to not only listen to these bands and become monthly listeners but if you like a band's music share it stream it tag them do all that because um that's very important for bands like dial denial and all the bands and artists out there yeah for sure yeah and definitely um you know, even doing, obviously, you know, not everyone's in a financial position always to buy merch, but even, you know, yeah, sharing, sharing people's music, um, you know, listening to their music. There's so many things that you can do that don't actually cost anything to help support bands, which I think is really important. Mm. I always find the um, merch buying, the best thing about that is it's a good way to go up to a band and have a chat after their set. Yeah. And we're always there after our sets, and so are many many other bands that have merch and stuff. Always there, so it's always a good place to um 
have a chat and meet bands and things like that as well. Mm. Just don't get stuck outside Stay Gold until nearly 11.30 at night with some bands like I did last year. That was It was awesome, but it was like um, they didn't realise I had to actually get back to Warrigal um, that same night, and I'm locking the time. I'm like, shit, is it that time already? And, yeah, so. But, no, um, bands, the, you always see bands either at the merch stand or out in the crowd mingling, generally both. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good place. It's a good time to meet bands. Mm. Okay, what has the overall response been like for Paper Wings, your latest single? Yeah, it's been really good. I think everyone I've shown and everyone that, for what I know from that has listened to it has really liked it. And I find now with our stuff, which I think with Dials and I, which is great, is that even people like friends and stuff that I know who don't listen to rock or pop punk, etc., um, that either like still appreciate it or really like the song, which is great. I think like due to the songwriting and production uh, from Stevie Knight, who's our producer, um, who's just next level when it comes to production and songwriting, has really helped Styles and I'll take a step in the right direction, just as well as us in general, our you know four band members all playing a big part in that. Um, but yeah, no, I think we're um, really happy with the response. It's, everyone's looked at it pretty positively. Because it's, yeah, it's, because when I've listened to it, I've felt like it's, yeah, really upbeat and sort of has that really good pop punk sound to it from the sort of last 10 years here in Australia and around the world, obviously. And um, I feel like it's my personal favourite song, probably from Dial to Noel, even though I'm a big fan of um, 2023 and uh, over time, I just feel like Paper Wings is the one I can relate most to. Yeah, awesome. No, it's great to hear. And, you know, it's always good to hear people's opinions of your music and which one's their favourite because it definitely um, it definitely varies and changes uh, from person to person, which honestly I think is a good thing because if, if everyone said the same song is great, maybe that song is just great. But the fact that people, you know, lots of people are saying lots of different songs are their favourite means, okay, we've getting a collective idea that our catalogue is pretty good um, from that fact that people, you know, lots of people will say Overtime's their favourite or Kalara Road or 2023 or even the stuff off the Goodnight EP is their favourite. And I think that as a band, we look at that and go, okay, great, we're making good songs. And then, um, like, not every song is going to hit every listener the same, but the fact that we're getting people that having their favourite song is all different ones, I think is really important as well. Definitely. And I always find, like, sometimes, like, the band sometimes asks me what my favourite song of theirs is, and it's like, I don't know what to say, because what if once, what if the answer I give is the wrong answer on them? <laughs> and it's like, then 90% of them just say there's no wrong answer to that question, so... Yeah, no, definitely, definitely there's no wrong answer to that question. I think, you know, for most part, if the band is good people in the band, then they're going to be pretty happy with anyone listening to their music, really, um, no matter what their favourite song of theirs is. Mm. And sometimes there's some bands that out there that just 
they have too many good songs that you can't pick your favourite. Yeah, that is very true as well. There are lots of bands out there with like that. So, like, someone asked me the other day, just, like, um, at the Blink-182 concert, they're like, what's your favourite Blink-182 song? I'm like, oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, do I go Dude Ranch, Enema of the State era, or do I go self-titled on? And I just, I just blank, straight out said, damn it. Yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> I thought no one can disagree with that, surely. Yeah, well, I guess favorite songs is a personal opinion rather than a um, rather than the right or wrong answer. Hmm. I think just with "Damn It," I think it's because it was the first song that actually I heard from Blink One Eight Two, and like I remember Rage just had it on repeat, repeat, repeat on you know Friday nights when it was new release Friday and that, and it's like. This is why I love Blink-182. So I think that's more the fact than maybe all the small things or what's my age again. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, that'd be an interesting question to ask three different people because you get three different answers of people's favourite Blink-182 songs because you've got 18 to 20-year-olds, they would go the new stuff, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Mm. All right. What first made you decide? I'll start again. What first made you decide you wanted to be in a band? Yeah. So we wanted to write our own music, uh, and we were, you know, getting bored of playing covers and school band stuff. And we sort of hit a ceiling, roughly like in year seven and eight. When I was in year seven and eight, so when I was about thirteen, fourteen. Um, and we were doing stuff like for those guitarists out there, we were like, we were doing, you know, Steve Vai songs and Joe Satriani songs and stuff in like year seven and eight. And we were like, there wasn't really, we felt much else to go to after that. And we were like, okay, that was like, you know, at actual school band. And we we're like, well, why don't we, uh, we were already at big music at the time. And they were just, you know, opening up opportunities for like original bands. And we we're like, why don't we stop doing actual school band and make a switch to do, you know, an original band to write our own songs. And, yeah, that's what we decided to do. Well, that's, that's the first time I've actually asked that question and a very good response from Owen there. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll just sort of throw in something that I've never asked before into a question, into an interview, because I feel like the last few weeks have been the same questions every week. So maybe a couple new ones here and there for bands that just make it more interesting. Yeah, for sure. But no, that's a very good answer. And um, yeah, there's always different answers. Like if I was to ask that question, because a lot of people asked, you know, why did I start or decide to start doing podcasts? And it was like just that I loved community radio, but, I just wanted to do something that I could do during the pandemic because I couldn't do the radio show, obviously, because the it was in lockdown. So that's how I got onto the podcast side of things. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I guess that's, you know, making good use of what's going on with, you know, what was happening at the time and making good use of your time. Mm. 
Because I think a lot of people during that time, or certainly in the first few weeks, were sort of like taken aback by, you know, or hang on, all of a sudden we can't leave our home or we can't, you know, go and socialise with friends or go to live music and people were sort of trying to get their heads around it because it was a one in a hundred year event, obviously. Sure, yeah. Um, and I think we were just lucky at the time that we were still in school and not, you know, as big of a band as we are now. Like if it happened now, that would be devastating for us, especially, you know, so many bands had big opportunities lined up that got shut down. And if that, you know, without revealing too much, if that happened now, we'd be devastated. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think, um, yeah, it's, that's a uh, time that we never want to ever repeat ever again. But, um, yeah, let's, I was just bringing that up, but let's see, maybe steer clear of that word at the moment. But, um, no, but, um, yeah, I think we had to think outside the box in those years. Yeah, we definitely did. Our favourite song to perform live? Yeah, this is an interesting one. It sort of changes. Um, I think for the challenge of it, probably Paper Wings, just the chorus riff and try, like, trying to move around whilst playing, you know, a, a pretty technical riff is quite the challenge, but it's great fun. I guess as well, like maybe recency bias as well as it's our newest release. It's fresh in, our, fresh in my mind. So probably say Paper Wings is probably my favourite one to play live. Yeah, I can imagine it would be challenging. To, like the riff in that song's pretty extreme. So, yeah, no, it's de- it definitely is. But it, no, it's good fun, and I enjoy a bit of a challenge as well. Playing otherwise, I sort of get bored if I'm not like challenging myself at in one thing or another. And I think yeah, that's how you better yourself in a band to take the next step and. You know, challenge yourself. Try something that might not be as easy as other things. And um, all yeah. bands do it. Like whether you've been around for five years or 35 years, or yeah. every band still challenges themselves, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, there's some bands out there, like you think of bands like Architects and Bring Me the Horizon, like a lot of people criticise them for, experimenting with their music and that, but I take my hat off to both bands, especially Bring Me the Horizon. They always come up with something different with each release they release. Yeah, for sure. I think I think experimentation-wise is an interesting one because I think it's good for bands to experiment. At the same time, though, as a fan of some bands, you're not always going to like the new thing they do, but that's okay because you like they're... But as an artist, I understand why they're doing it. So it sort of makes it a bit easier. But whereas like non-musicians and stuff, I can understand where they're like, I just want the old sort of sound. You hear that so many times with certain bands, like bring the old X back, like bring old, bring the old X, Y, Z, whatever band that is back. Um, well, I don't like the new stuff. I like the old stuff or vice versa even, uh, or this era of this band, you know what I mean? Like it's, they're so common sayings, but I think you almost learn to love the new eras or the old eras or whichever it is by just liking the band. If you're going to support the band, you know what I mean? You're going to 
listen to those parts. But it is true. It's it's a really tricky one because I'm definitely I'm on the fence about it because I understand as an artist, it's great you want to try new things, but at the same time, there's certain eras of certain bands that I like more than others. So it's it's a tricky one to answer that one. Yeah, it certainly is because like. A, a mate of mine um, who's a pretty big Parkway Drive fan and um, a lot of people I know weren't huge on, of course, Darker Still. Now, to be honest, I didn't love it, but I could see the path that Parkway Drive were going down and obviously it has been with reference and ire. But for someone like Parkway Drive, you know, they obviously the experimenting has worked because if they're not the biggest band in this country, they're in the top two easily at the moment. And really they don't have anything to prove now because they've become Australia's probably biggest band. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there. Like outside of obviously ACDC, like they're probably the only band bigger than Parkway, but, I think, um, yeah, they put Australia on the map for the metal scene. And so did Void, so did Amity and Make Them Suffer and that. But I think Parkway were the first real band to sort of say, all right, we're from Australia, we're here to take over the world, which they have literally done. And, yeah, now all these bands, as you mentioned earlier, oh, and like Red Hook and Stand Atlantic and Earth Caller and yours truly all having big headline shows over in the States and even Europe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, look at Red Hook. Like five years ago, no one had heard of them or very few people had heard of them. And now they play Download in the UK for the 20th year. Yeah, no, it was was very interesting. Like I was actually speaking to them not long ago and um, I... When I first listened to Red Hook, I think they had like maybe 5,000 or 10,000 monthly listeners. And now they're, you know, like over 300,000. And like it was a, they just blew up. And I think the great thing about Red Hook is they've still stuck to themselves, like their true selves. They're still releasing great music. And they, you know, usually when you see an artist spike as big as they did really quickly, it's almost as big of a come down. But they're not stopping anytime soon, for sure. No. And, uh, like, that the album they released last year, Postcards from a Living Hell, was amazing. I, and then Tourist, obviously, and Scream 2 that yeah. got dropped in the last six months, both absolute gems as well. Definitely agree with that. And nice people, too. Oh, sorry, three of the people I've met in person. Sorry, I haven't met Craig, but... Craig seems like a decent bloke as well. I've, I met Emmy in Melbourne for the um, Alt show, funnily enough, and Alex and Ned at the um, Corner Hotel last year. Yeah, yeah, no, I've met, met all of them. They're all, yeah, really nice, um, really lovely people and, yeah, absolute legends, and they're doing really well. Mm. So, yeah, if you haven't checked out Red Hawk, where have you been is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, I think, yeah, I think there's a few bands that are about to have the um, 2023 that Red Hook had. I reckon Ocean Sleep of Future Static and a few other bands are about to be 
the 2024 version of Red Hook, I reckon. There's a few that are about to break big here in Australia, if they haven't already. Definitely agree with you there. Yeah, but um, no, there's so much to choose from. Well, that actually comes to my next question, and this is not an easy question, Owen. Three favourite fellow New South Wales bands. Ooh. Um, ooh, three favourite New South Wales bands. Okay. Um, I probably would... Uh, New South Wales bands. I probably honestly would pick um, Stan Atlantic, Yours Truly, and Red Hook. They'd probably be the three New South Wales bands for me um, that I'd that I'd pick. Um, in terms of, you know, bigger bands. Um, yeah, those probably are the three I'd pick, honestly. Three pretty good bands and three very successful bands, might add, as well. Um, For me... Oh, sorry, you go. I was say, we can't not add North Lane in there as well. Yeah, nah. They, they're new stuff, especially um, Dante and Miasma. I, I loved... Dante, I know it was a bit different to their other stuff, but that was pretty sick, that song. And then Miasma featuring Winston McCall, the main, the god of Australian metal, pretty much. Yeah. No, I definitely think, uh, yeah, North Wayne's new stuff is great. And I think their live performances are just, like, some of the best I've seen um, in terms of artists. So definitely probably top five for sure in, in terms of live bands. Yes, no, they're very good. I saw them. Actually, I haven't actually seen North Lane outside of a festival yet, which might surprise a few people because I saw them at Unify 2017 and then not Fest last year. So still yeah. haven't seen them outside of a festival, which is a bit annoying, but... Definitely go see them. They're very good. My three favourite, well, I'm going to take one of yours because it's definitely Red Hawk, obviously. Um... It's hard because like I'm I'm really digging like Clay J Gladstone and Vilify and you know Vex and that, but yeah, I'd probably go Red Hook, Vilify, and uh, in Hull. No, they're Queensland in Hearts Wake, aren't they? I think. Yeah. Oh, I think they're in Hearts Wake. I think they might be Byron Bay, so technically New South Wales. Okay. Well, all right. Red Hook. Vilify and In Hearts Wake then are probably my three, but could throw any number in. Like, yeah, Dial Denial would be in there, Hatescape, Vex, Grip Down, there's a whole heap of them. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, Byron Bay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, In Hearts Wake, definitely New South Wales band for sure. Um, but, yeah, there is a lot of, there's a lot of great bands here. Yes, and all around... New South Wales as well. There's some great ones in Wollongong, amazing bands in Newcastle, even up to Byron Bay, as we said. 100% there is. Yeah, and there's probably going to be a lot of bands that are going to probably have my head on the platter for not mentioning them, but it's only three guys, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to pick. Yes. Well, I've only really got two more questions, Owen, and then, of course, the tables get turned. Owen can ask me any questions he has. So which band or artist would you like to collaborate on a song with if you had the chance? So usually this is a hard question, I'm assuming, for bands to answer. Am I right in saying that? 
I would assume that, yes. But I've I've got this pretty pretty much down in terms of I've got if that's okay, I've got two for international artists and two Aussie artists. That would be very that, cool. The dials and that's, that's fine with me. Perfect. So my two international artists would be uh, Neck Deep, so Ben Barlow probably um, singing on that, and Courtney LaPlante from Spirit Box. Those would be the two uh, international acts that would be so cool with the Dial Denial sound. I love the sound of um, Spirit Box and Dial Denial on the same track. That sounds insane, really. It's pretty cool. And then... Aussie acts would probably be Stand Atlantic and Slowly Slowly. I can definitely see you collaborating with both those Aussie bands. And again, very similar styles of music. Same with Slowly Slowly. Yeah, especially um, Kalara Road, I know, got compared to Slowly Slowly a lot from a lot of people. And at the time, I didn't know who Slowly Slowly were. And I, So this was probably like 2020. 2022 this was and i was like everyone's just like this describing Kalara as like oh this is mad slowly slowly vibes i'm like who is slowly slowly and so i was like check this out because everyone's describing it and yeah i mean uh, ben's vocals are nuts so i think yeah having either any of those four bands whether it's ben barlow from neck deep or courtney lapointe from spirit box or bonnie fraser from stand atlantic or ben from slowly slowly uh would I think go really well, especially pairing those, any of those with Gus's vocals, I think would be a really good fit. Cause I'm like you though, Owen, I didn't know slowly, slowly before I heard, uh, not jellyfish. What was the other big song? The real Rocky, oh, uh, blueprint. That's yeah. a song that got me into slowly, slowly. And I hadn't heard of them before that. Uh, yeah. It was yeah. Yeah, similar time as well. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, Blueprint sort of came along. I'm sort of like, oh, yeah, I can see what people are saying, like how good they are and all that. But, um, yeah, it took me forever to get into them. And Stand Atlantic, I mean, what was the song? It was probably like the newer stuff like Death Wish and Lavender Bones that really got me into Stand Atlantic. But then I went back and listened to their old stuff and it's just as good as the new stuff. Yeah, yeah, I definitely was. I was listening to Stan Atlantic when that when that first Sidewinder EP came out. I don't know how I found it, but I think I was in like year nine then. I was sort of like early sort of pop punk. Like was that was when I was first really listening to pop punk. Probably when I was like fourteen or fifteen, because um, I was big like rock or metal, and that's it. And then um, pop punk sort of filtered through. And Stan Atlantic would have been one of the first bands I listened to at that time. And yeah, the Sidewinder EP came out and there's actually a song from that EP, Push, which is probably my favorite song of theirs, which not like whenever I tell people that they're always like, either don't know the song or, um, or they're just like, it's a weird choice, but um, it's probably my favorite song of Standard Atlantic's, but I absolutely love most of their stuff. Like they're a really good band and are definitely a big influence. And that's sort of where I first found Stevie Knight's work and then took a deep dive, you know, yours truly was there, um, you know, Red Hook, and then slowly went down, you know, to lots of other bands that he does, and then um, reached out to him, and he was available, and we recorded, uh, so Kalara Road was the first one we did with Stevie, and then over time, Paper Wings, and then there's a couple more that we got up our sleeve as well, 
um, that we did with Stevie, um, and he's just incredible. I cannot speak highly enough of Stevie. And yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty impressive resume with Dolanol on it. Like Stan Atlantic, yours truly, Red Hook alone. That's yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think I can see a lot of potential with Dolanol. Like I think. You know, this pop-punk sound here in Australia right at the moment is the best I've seen. Thank you. I appreciate it. That means a lot. Because I think um, just with Dol Denol, and I think because you're in one of the major states in Australia, and I don't mean anything against the other states. What I mean by that is when you look at it, most of the big-name bands are out of Sydney and Melbourne here in Australia. Like, obviously, Amity Affliction, Violet Soho, from Queensland and Carnival from Perth, like the really big names. Yeah. But I think because you're in New South Wales and the bands that have come out of Sydney and New South Wales in a whole in the last 10 years, you're in really good company. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's like what's something that's been important for us, like surrounding ourselves with the right people and the right bands and be just trying to be in good company. Um, which has, you know, been a blessing for us for sure. Mm. And if you keep plugging away and plugging away and um, all the enthusiasm and, you know, pushing hard, you just don't know what's around the corner. You don't know who's listening to your music and you don't know which bands are checking out your music to put you on a slot for their gig. I mean... The internet is a beauty at the moment. Everything's at the touch of your hands on Spotify or Bandcamp, iTunes, whatever the platform might be. Absolutely. All right. Well, the last question is, where do you see Dial Denial in five years' time? Yeah. So hopefully, like, our aim for this band is to, you know, be touring worldwide um, to have a you know fan base worldwide and to build you know our community up obviously you know numbers and making a full-time living on it off it is important to us but i think the community side of things is the most important thing for us like people enjoying our music sharing our music you know wearing our merch you know you know when just in scenarios you know with friends and things like that just mentioning dalton island really feeling a part of something important i think is what we want to continue to grow worldwide. Obviously, we'd love to, you know, tour worldwide and have, you know, have a full-time income off that. Um, but I think, yeah, that's our main thing. Just, you know, put it this way, we started, you know, six years ago tomorrow, uh, as in Feb 18, on, you know, in 2018. Um, you know, we were freshly in high school. Um, and I think we've had a pretty good run so far being so young and having maybe limited live opportunities and just in general because of our age. But I think all the stuff we've done in that six years so far has been uh, pretty impressive and pretty amazing. And I think honestly, the sky's the limit for where we can go in the next foreseeable, you know, five years time, you know, we started, you know, 13, we're age 13 to 15 and, you know, just starting out as a band and now, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've, you know, opened for Switchfoot, Hybrid Theory, Bugs, about to open for yours truly. Um, we even played with the Ryans before. Like, there's, we've been really lucky. Um, and But that's also, you know, come down to our work ethic as well um, behind the scenes. 
And I think, yeah, the sky's the limit for where we can go. But I think, yeah, just continuing to plow away at it, continuing to um, build our audience up worldwide and hopefully going on tour um, worldwide and, you know, making our name and making a name for ourselves in the Aussie scene and worldwide, really. And I think that's all achievable in five years. Like, I think anything's achievable in five years. I mean, you can't say, oh, I'll just say, uh, I'll achieve this in five weeks because that realistically probably won't happen. But in a five-year period, I think what Owen has said is all very achievable. If you've got the right, um, oh, what's the right goals and the right energy, right attitude towards what you want to achieve in five years, anything is achievable. Absolutely. It would have been fitting if we did the interview tomorrow, February 18, 2024, would have been the six-year birthday of Dial Denial um, becoming a band, but, oh, well, close enough to six years. Yeah, one day beforehand. So, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's six years. That's a, That's a long time to be in a band for, and some bands don't even last that long, and, not by any people's choice. It's just, you know, things come up like family commitments, jobs, that yeah. sort of thing. So six years is pretty impressive yeah. for a young band too. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like a lot of bands that, are, you know, have been together for six years are in their late 20s by then. Um, They're not in their late teens, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're pretty blessed that we started so young. But, yeah, we've got – and that's the thing that's – great that i always say it's like yeah we've probably got you know a lot of time you know i mean i'm i'm only sort of you know 20 in the last couple of months but while while we're young let's still make the most of it so it's not about okay let's just sit and relax and we're young we can take our time it's like no let's really push hard now and who knows where we could be you know in a couple you know three four five years time by the time we're in our mid-20s and still young enough at heart and also a perfect opportunity to then break into the scene because mid-20s, you still got plenty of time up your sleeve. Definitely agree with you there. Because, yeah, if someone that's in their late 20s, say we've got a 10-year goal of touring Australia and around the world, in that time they would be if they said got there in 10 years, that means they'd be nearly 40 in comparison yeah. to if Dial Denial said, we want to do this in five to 10 years, at worst, you'd be late 20s. So yeah. it's a big difference. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, but I think that's why we're like, we're lucky we've got this, you know, not by our own, well, sort of by our own doing now, you know, this opportunity of being so young, it's like, let's make the most of it. Definitely. And that's any um, for any band artist out there, start young and um, just work away and you just don't know what's around the corner. You yeah. never know. Yeah, definitely. Also, you know, if you are, you know, on the older side, definitely don't hesitate to start. Don't think oh, I'm too old. There's many bands that whether they're started when they were old or, you know, were a band for, you know, 15 odd years before they blew up, but, there's definitely stories of both sides of things out there, for sure. And hesitation is something 
in the music scene you can't do because if you hesitate on a possibility of a um, slot on a big headline band and you say, no, that opportunity might not come for another 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, all right. Well, I've asked Owen all the hard-hitting questions. Uh, now the tables get turned. If Owen wants to ask the interviewer any questions, the floor is yours, as they say. Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple that I came up with. Um, so first question would be, are there any particular guests or interviews that stand out in your memory of your time you know, interviewing bands? Love the question. And I'm not being biased, but I actually feel like today is one of them. Oh, thank you very much. Because um, two reasons for today's one is the you sound a lot more mature as a band or artist than I thought you were, Owen. And I, I don't mean that in a mean way. What I mean is for someone who's 20, like these answers have been very professionally given, very professional on your end as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. The other one that stands out for me, and um, we've mentioned this band a few times, and I could never, ever uh, thank them enough. Uh, the other one was Alex and Ned from Red Hook in 2022 because I'd previously approached a pretty well-known band here in Victoria called Mirrors that, um, for reasons they had too much stuff going on, they couldn't do the podcast interview, it was nothing against me. It was just they had a um, schedule that was about as long as Dial Denial's um, band name pages, pretty much. And they just said, look, you know, would love to, but there's just too much going on. The reason why I say Red Hook is that um, I was sort of a bit iffy whether they would do it or not because approaching another big band so short time after I'd approached Mirrors, I was thinking, will they, won't they? And then Alex is like, message me when we get back from that tour they were doing for Rock AM Ring around Europe and that, and we'll set something up. And I think the fact that Alex got back to me and actually wanted to do the interview speaks high volumes of how much appreciation I have for that band for now and forever. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they're, and that's the thing as well, like, that we've kept in our mind that I think is important for an artist, It's especially, you know, when you're not, like, we you know, well, don't get me wrong, we're doing decent, like, we're doing pretty well as an artist, but we're not, you know, a big name yet, like, you know, Stan Atlantic, Red Hook, yours truly, et cetera. But I think as now when you meet those people that are in that position and they're super nice, it's just a reminder. It's like, you know, Fingers crossed when Dial Denial gets to that sort of size or even bigger potentially, you know, the sky's the limit, but that we keep to our true authentic selves and be respectful and just be good people. I think that sometimes definitely gets lost with bigger artists or just, you know, high profile people, but it's when those high profile people are still super down to earth and just respectful of everyone, no matter who they are. I think that's really important. And the fact that, you know, like I already had a huge, I was a massive Red Hook fan before that. And, you know, I'll just go for the rest of my life just saying that 
you know, whatever happens now, you know, whether they come back on, whether they don't, there's no issues on my end because they sat down and had a chat. I mean, yeah. that's something that can never be erased from anything. Yeah, absolutely. And the, they're the nicest people. Like, I mean, you know, Alex was happy to have a chat at the corner hotel. The funny thing was um, Ned was actually at, standing near the doorway as well. I was like, oh, I'll go chat to Ned then as well. Yeah. Because I was going over to talk to Alex behind the merch stand, but hadn't realised Ned was standing next to it. But all good. Yeah. But yeah, Dold and Island Red are probably the two that have stood out for me on different levels, obviously. For sure. No, that's a that's a great answer and I appreciate that a lot. Um, your comments about us. That's very nice of you. Uh, probably got one more question, which I mean happened today and you did a great job of handling it, but how do you handle unexpected situations that may arise during a show? Best way to put it, Owen, is don't stress or overthink it. Because yeah. if you stress and something does go wrong, that's when, pun my language, shit hits the fan. Yes. Because, like, like in I work in hospitality, and it's a very similar thing. There was a case a couple of weeks ago where there was just heaps and heaps of dockets at one time, and I was just like, Sam, do not stress, do not freak out, because if you do that, that's when problems will happen and mistakes will happen. I just said, no, nah, I'm just going to say, there's a docket here, there's a docket there. Just focus on the one table, make sure they get all their meals before I go on to the next one. And that's what I did with the that's a very good question too, Owen might I add about the how do you handle situations like what happened with the disconnecting. Yeah. I think also the other thing is that um I think the best way to handle these sorts of situations is that it's just, it's what happens with interviews, you know? I mean, not that disconnecting an interview, but I think just like if a band all of a sudden doesn't turn up, like, and they haven't messaged you to say, oh, sorry, today won't work. I think in that situation, I'd just like, all right, fuck it. Let's just move on they are back to the bottom of the list if they've missed their opportunity. And I think my theory is that um, anything that goes wrong in podcasts is generally not the end of the world, like yeah. today. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and I think the other thing is a lot of people ask me, you know, do you ever sort of, get nervous do you ever just not want to do an interview if a band's asked it's just like i'm not nervous or oh, i get nervous a bit but i'm just like at the end of the day what owen said with um bands that have become big is at the end of the day they're just human beings they're no different to anyone else very true i mean yeah, and I, I've never come across a band or artist that I've interviewed or approached at a gig where I've thought, oh, this person doesn't want a bar. It's not never been like that. Yeah. That's always a good thing as well. It's a positive thing. I think, we, yeah, we've got a good scene here in Australia. 
I mean, and I've found today's interview to be like every other interview I've done. That's it's just yeah, Owen, you know, might be in a band and might live a thousand kilometers away or however far Sydney and um Warrigal are, but at the end of the day, we're sharing a passion of something we both love talking about, which is music. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I'd have Owen and Doll Denial back on any time, straight up. Yeah, yeah, definitely be welcome to come back on in, in, in the future for sure. Yeah, maybe not tomorrow, but somewhere <laughs> down the track, definitely. <laughs> I think that's the funniest thing I've heard someone reply when I said, "Oh, you're welcome back on the podcast," and they say, "What about tomorrow?" I'm like, "Maybe not that soon." <laughs> Leave it a little bit of time, let some things happen, and then more to talk about, hey? Yes, that's the one. That was more my thinking, because what could you have released in one day that we didn't talk about 24 hours beforehand? Like, <laughs> Who knows? Well, I hate when this happens. This is the only thing I hate about podcast interviews. It has to end, yeah. because... Yeah, I better actually let Owen go because Owen has other things on today. But once again, Owen, thanks so much for being on the podcast and having a chat. I've had a ball. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, those listening, Dial Denial. Um, we're on most social media platforms. So it's D-I-A-L-D-E-N-I-A-L. Um, we're on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, etc. cetera. Um, find us there. Come say hello. Say that you are listening uh, to Sam Horner, um, and yeah, be keen to have a chat. And for those that um, want to hear Dial Denial, you will hear them on part two, and you will hear them on tomorrow and probably Mondays as well. Podcast actually, Dial Denial, I think, are up there with most played band on the podcast actually at the moment, which came by surprise. Yeah, awesome. That's great to hear. So, yeah. Check out Dial Denial, and um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Saturday, Owen, and I'll send these links very shortly and feel free to share them around. Yeah, I'll do that this afternoon when I get back. Yeah, oh, no rush at all, mate. Awesome, right. Take care, Sam. Thank you. No worries, Owen. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and we'll chat soon. Yeah, will do. Thanks, Sam. No worries. Bye. Bye.